Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We've been talking about worldview, and the, the reason why worldview is important is because there's a lot of things on the outside that's trying to catch our ears and our attention. And then the strange thing about it is that we as believers in Christ, we've opened our ears to hear some of those things and we've been replicating some of those things. And it's very difficult to have a kingdom worldview if you don't have a word view, which means digging in your Bibles. I'm going to challenge you here today. It'll be a challenging message, especially at the beginning. But then you'll see a rise because Jesus Christ never leaves you there. He always takes you to a greater place. And so I'm going to challenge you to take your, take your word, to study, to show yourselves approved, right? A workman dividing the, the truth, right? That's what we're supposed to do. Not just come in, what, to hear me speak, hear Pastor Eugene or Miss Heidi speak. But once we deliver the word, it's very, it's important that you go back and study it for yourself so the Holy Spirit can minister to you in your place. Are we good with that? But just talking about worldview, the reason why we're making it biblical, it's a biblical worldview, like I mentioned before, we're getting worldviews from so many different things. But when we look at a biblical worldview or God's worldview, think about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Think about this. He was there from the beginning. He's going to be there to the end. So he knows our past and he also knows our future. He knows the origin of man, but he also knows the future of man because he's predestined us. So when you have an all-knowing God, who should you believe? And you have a limited man. I've only been on this earth for 46 years, so my perspective is very, very limited. But God is eternal, so who should I be listening to? I think everybody can come to me and say, well, Pastor Myron, it just makes sense to listen to God, right? Well, if you're telling me that, then I'm telling you that at the same time. So I think all of us can agree upon that God's perspective is the best perspective. And then throughout the weeks, we've been walking through the different scenes. Scene one started off in Genesis one, and that was God's creation. And we all said that God said, rather, it is very good. He created man and woman. He created the animals. He created the trees. He created the stars in the sky. God said it is very good. This was the highlight point of us on earth. It is very good. But then we moved on to Genesis 3. And we saw that what the serpent swiveled his way on in and started to speak to Eve. Started to deceive Eve. And with that deception, Eve listened to the serpent. And she went ahead and disobeyed God. By what? Eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and then convinced her husband to eat from it as well. She ate the fruit. And that was the coming down of man. That was the fall of man. We went from being very good to being very bad in scene two. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about scene three, redemption. We go from being very good to very bad, now back to very good. It's something for the church to celebrate when we're talking about redemption. And then we'll, con we'll conclude on next week 
which is the new creation. And all of these scenes, we're trying to speak to you and teach you a biblical worldview. How many of you have been enjoying the series, Raise Your Hands? Been an amazing series. Thank you, Vic. I want to start this message off and at the end of our message, I want you to walk away with three things. Are you ready? Are you ready? One of those things is this, a greater, I want you to walk away with a greater understanding of the severity of sin and the consequences of sin. Number two, I want you to have a greater appreciation of Christ's redemptive work. Now, I can drop the mic right now because the worship team, they already, I mean, we praise God, we worship, and all of those words you repeated, that was what? That was redemption. The songs that we sang, the lyrics that you saw up there, that was what? Redemption, right? I can drop the mic and just, I can pretty much sit on the front row, right? I think I might have to in the 1037. <laughs> and then, but listen, and then number three, a greater desire, we want you to have a greater desire to grow in both your knowledge of God and your what? Relationship with Christ. So three things, are we with me? Yes. So 1030 service, it's going to be very interesting, okay? It's going to be a situation where we're going to walk through what redemption is. It's going to start off a little bit heavy, a little bit hard. But at the end of the day, you know what's going to happen? It's going to rise up and then you're going to see the goodness and the great part of Jesus Christ coming in and just bringing us out of darkness and bringing us to the marvelous light. Are you ready to go? Here's a journey. Let's start it off. My first question is to you, how many of us are debtors, are debtors, are you owe somebody something? I see some hands. I didn't want to, I didn't want y'all to raise them. <laughs> but listen, I want those who raise their hands, I want you to feel good because 100% of us in this room are debtors. That means that we have a, a, an obligation and we owe that obligation to somebody else. It could be financial. Most of the times we're talking about a financial obligation, right? So just about, a, I'd say 100% of us in the room we have a debt to pay. And some of you are looking like, Pastor Meyer, no, you're crazy. I paid all my debt. I'm good. My student loans, I paid that last month. I'm good. <laughs> we all have a debt to pay. It might be your tax debt, your mortgages, car notes, credit cards, student loans, payday loans. In fact, student loans, that's the controversy of today, right? Debt forgiveness. I tell you what, I wish somebody could forgive my taxes when I had my church, the church at the restaurants that I had. I would love for them to forgive my taxes. So we, we all have debt, and I'm thinking about the spiritual realm of things. I want you to walk with me. In the spiritual realm, your life was given to you by God. He set your what? Standard of living. Am I right? You're following with me so far? But then when you miss the mark or when you sin, you owe God payment. So now when I ask who has a debt, I think everybody's hands should go up, right? Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody in this room has committed sin and was born in sin. If you, and if you say that you weren't, then we're going to have to have a discussion after this message, right? So you go, you, we all owe God some payment. You become a debtor to God. The payment is death. And there's a payment that nobody in here can
can pay it off. Nobody has enough money. Nobody has enough resources to pay that debt off. And you know what? Because we can't pay that debt, I'm thinking about this from a courtroom perspective. And somebody knows what I'm talking about. If you can't pay debt, what happens? <laughs> I'm coming to that. You're right. A creditor? It goes back to the credit agency. A creditor calls your house, then they call your phone, and then you tell your kids, oh, don't answer that. I know some of you don't do that. And so if you, the creditor keeps on calling and you can't pay it, there's a letter that's issued to you, which is sometimes a garnishment, which is taken from you. And if you don't pay it, what happens? You end up going to what? To court, right? And I think about it from a spiritual perspective, and I want you to think about it that way as well. When you go to court, I want you to imagine the defending attorney is Satan, the accuser of the brethren. You are representing yourself. You have God the Father as the judge, okay? And in that moment, you're representing yourself, but the accuser of the brethren, he's saying, Myron, you lied in 1993. And all I can say is, yep. Myron, you dropped the ball. You spread lies about people. You gossiped about people in 1997. Guilty. Myron, you hit somebody in a club in 1999. Guilty. So I know with us, when we start thinking about sin, we start putting some weight on it. But all the sin that I just mentioned, if you're guilty of one sin, the Bible says you're guilty of all. If you're guilty of one sin, you're guilty of all. So it's not like man in terms of our perspective. If you're a murderer, that's a bad sin. But if I tell a white lie, I'm good. No, if you tell that white lie, you are also guilty of what? All the sins. And, and then what happens if you're guilty of sin? You end up being convicted, right? Right? So there's an eternal prison for us and the eternal prison for us as uh, people of God are not people of God are being outside the will of God. That eternal prison is separation from God, which is hell. That's sold into slavery under Satan's bondage. You are a slave headed to hell. Now, I told you that this message would be weighty at the very beginning, but I have to give us a biblical perspective so you can continue to walk with me. Will you continue to walk with me? Now, I'm going to need some help. Okay. Let's look at Romans 6.23. Very popular scripture. Very popular verse. It says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Let's stop right there. The wages of sin is death. Now, death means, he's not talking about physical death here. Paul is talking about spiritual death, which is separation from God for eternity. Okay? Wages are earned, right? Don't you earn your wages? Wages are earned. So the wages of sin, you earn death. That means you deserve, I deserve, we all deserve death because all of us has fallen short, what? Of the glory of God. We've missed the mark. That's the bad news. That's the price that we have to pay. Now, if we go further, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord, that's redemption. And redemption is an unearned gift. 
God does not have to give us redemption, right? Now, we've earned death, okay? But God comes back and gives us redemption through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that's an unearned gift. God had a delivery plan for us in spite of our disobedience. That's amazing. That's the love of God. In the Garden of Eden, it didn't shock God when Eve disobeyed him. God wasn't like, oops, I don't know what happened. God knew exactly what Eve was going to do, but God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit already had a plan for redemption for people. He wasn't just looking for an innocent man because an innocent man was still vulnerable to the enemy. He was looking for a redeemed man so the enemy could be defeated. That's something for us to say amen about, church. So you've heard the good, the bad news. We're separated from God because of our sin. Now, the good news is that we can be redeemed through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And some of you are saying, hey, Pastor Mount, I hear all what you're talking about, but uh, I just want my debt paid. Hmm? Pay my debt. And, and I don't blame you. So how did Jesus pay our debt to God? It's important, church. We've got to get this because this is a biblical worldview. I've got to get your attention on this. It's important that we get this message so we can go out there and speak truth to the world and so that the enemy doesn't come back and fool you. Are you walking with me? How did Jesus pay our debt? First of all, Jesus became our mediator. You remember the courtroom I just tried to set up for you where the, uh, the enemy, Satan, He's a defendant. I mean, uh, he's a defending attorney. He's he's prosecuting attorney. I'm sorry. But Satan is the prosecuting attorney. And then we're defending ourselves. You remember that? Now, God's the judge. The great thing about redemption is that Jesus comes in as a mediator. And what's a mediator? A mediator is someone who acts as an intermediary between two opposing sides to bring an acceptable resolution to God. Remember when I talked about God already knew about the plan. He already knew that Adam and Eve would sin. Jesus is there being our intermediary. He's speaking on our behalf. We're getting accused by the enemies. Satan is calling you a liar, a cheat, a murderer, a convict. And then Jesus is coming and saying, but God. Jesus is saying, but God, there is a way that this person can be saved. Jesus is stepping in and he's speaking on our behalf because all we can do, church, all we can do is sit down and just hear what the enemy has to say. And the problem is we are guilty. That's pretty heavy, huh? We are guilty. Now, Jesus is not only our mediator, but he had to become our redeemer. And a redeemer is someone who pays the debt for someone else. Someone who pays the debt for someone else. Jesus intercedes for us and he is the only one willing and able to pay our debt to the father. Y'all, this is important that we understand redemption. Why can't we pay our own debt? Because every last one of you in the room, including myself, we're all sinners. We were all born in sin. We're all slaves to sin. Okay? And so if you're sinful, the payment has to be a perfect payment. We can't pay it because think about this. If I drop you in a river with two people that can't swim, can they save one another? That's the same thing with our debt. If we have two sinners 
and they're trying to save one another, they can't because they don't have the means to do it because what? They aren't perfect, right? So Jesus came in, the perfect God, and he's a redeemer, and he paid our ransom. That's the repayment sufficient enough to erase our debt. Here's the problem. Our sins are completely against the holy and perfect God and therefore require perfect payment, as I just mentioned. Keep walking with me, y'all. I, I, I want to teach. It won't be a preaching message. It's a teaching message. Since all humans are sinful, we cannot pay the ransom. We cannot pay that debt. I'm going to put two definitions of redeemed, and they both interconnect. The first definition is to buy back, to purchase something that has been temporarily forfeited. Now, what's been forfeited? What does forfeit mean? Forfeit means surrendered. Surrendered. We're surrendered to the enemy now. Because we were what? Born and we were created by God. And now because of sin, we've been separated from God. Now we're in bondage with the enemy. That's forfeited. The second definition, let's put that up, is to set free, to liberate as setting a slave free from slavery. Both of those are interconnected. And as I explain that, you're going to understand. So when Jesus died on the cross, he redeemed us in a threefold sense. By shedding of his blood, look at what Jesus did. Jesus bought back, which was temporarily forfeited, temporarily what surrendered, because by nature, we were sold under sin and sold into Satan's bondage, and Jesus died to pay the ransom fee for us. Are you walking with me? Number two, Jesus set us free from slavery and bondage, because by nature, we were slaves to sin and slaves to Satan. Now, are we still saying we don't have a debt? Everybody in this room, we, we, we owe a debt, right? And then lastly, he delivered us from a great danger. By nature, we face death and judgment. I want you to understand, it's important that we understand what the separation from God means, what spiritual death means. Eternal separation, listen to me. This is the gospel. Eternal separation from God and we think about hell, we just say, uh, we, we say, well, man, it's going to be so hot. I, I live in Louisiana. It's hot enough out here. I ain't going to hell. I, I hear people say that all the time. But I want you to think about this. Emotionally and spiritually, what happens to you? Think about somebody with depression. Somebody with anxiety. Someone with worry, someone who doesn't feel loved. Now imagine having those symptoms for all eternity and you have no respite. There's no water to come back and bring it up. Everything, you're just going to be dry, condemned for the rest of your life. That's hell. I want us to have a different understanding of what hell is because when you understand what hell is it'll make us it'll convince us to get out of that state right I want to be very convincing with us today now here's a recap let me get your eyes we are sold as slaves to sin the whole world is in bondage to the power of sin and will suffer the penalty of sin unless we are liberated from someone who is willing to pay the price for our freedom. Thank God there is someone who is willing to pay that price and his name is Jesus. Thank God. 
And this is the gospel. This is the good news. Yes, we fail. Yes, we're in slavery. Yes, we're in bondage. Yes, we're in captivity to our sins. But Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ came back to pay the price for our sins. And that is the good news, y'all. I want you to look at Romans 1.16. We're not going to put it on the screen. I'm going to paraphrase this. Romans 1.16 says, Paul said that he was not ashamed of the gospel because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. What is righteousness? Righteousness is, it's God's commitment to do whatever is necessary to make things right again. Even if it meant the death of his very own son. I'm going to tell you straightforward, Mason Guillory is my son, 17 years old. He's not paying the price for y'all. You, you can try to have a conversation with Pastor Myron. You can bring me in the back. You can try to convince me. I'm telling you, that's my only son. I don't really care what y'all say. Mason's not dying for y'all. <laughs> okay, I think I have some parents in the house that, that's the same way with me, right? Mason is not dying for y'all. And this is what God did. God gave his only begotten son to die for both me and you. Y'all, that's reason to celebrate. But as I mentioned before, in order to appreciate the good news, we must understand the severity of the bad news. I want to take you back to the Garden of Eden. I want to take you back to Genesis 3. Because in Genesis 3, Eve heard voices. And I think those voices are some of the same voices that you and I hear today. Eve heard some voices. There was a conversation with the enemy that Eve had. But I want you to understand this, what voices are influencing your worldview? What are those voices influencing you? Is it Fox News? Is it MSNBC? Is it CNN? Because there's been some voices in the church that's been influencing our worldview and we're calling it truth. Come on, church. Now, I know this may make some of us uneasy, But if it makes you uneasy because you enjoy watching Fox News and enjoy watching CNN or MSNBC and that's your gospel, then you know what? That's going to be your news that you present for those of those who are out there. Are you going to present God's news? Are you going to present a cable news channel's news? Don't throw stones yet, okay? (laughs) Let me get your attention. Because somebody's getting a little bit uneasy. When you lend your ears, who, I'm sorry, who you lend your ears to will catch your eyes. Who you lend your ears to will catch your eyes, your attention, and eventually influence your steps. When the enemy was speaking to Adam and Eve, and when the enemy's speaking to us, we go from vulnerable, we give them a little access, right? The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you, but we hear hear him out a little bit. We give him some access. We go from what? Vulnerable to gullible, because he's always speaking some good stuff. Oh, baby, you look good. You're the best looking person I've ever seen in my life. Gullible, you start to trusting, and then it goes to being bamboozled. Vulnerable, access, gullible, trusting, bamboozled, tricked. 
every single one of us in this room, we've all gone through it. This is what happens when we entertain the lies of Satan. And this happens, you know what, especially when we aren't grounded on the word of God. Y'all, I wish I could come and preach a feel-good message this morning to tickle your ears. I wish I could. I like those. I even like them. I enjoy them myself. But today is about truth because we're going to get to that. Jesus is not going to, well, he doesn't keep you there, right? He's going to keep you moving forward. When I look at Satan's words, I'm going to give you three phrases that Satan says, and I believe he was speaking that to Eve, but I'm telling you, he's been speaking that to me and you. Satan's tricks don't change. Huh? Let's walk with it. Because we've got to be aware. We've got to be aware of the enemy's schemes. Number one, he said to Eve, did God really say? That's the setup. You know, when I'm at my house and my wife is looking at my clothes, um, she kind of says, you going to wear that? She's setting me up. <laughs> Satan came in. Did, did God really say? And with Eve, she was a little bit shaky on the word, right? She said some things right, but then she ended up saying, well, God, God said don't even touch the tree. We're going to die. No, God never said don't, go, don't touch the tree. So she was shaky on her word, and the enemy just keeps pouring in. It just keeps talking. Just keep, but Eve keeps him there because this is what happens when you're influenced by somebody who's cunning, you keep them there, and look at what happens. Then he goes on to say, you won't die. So he goes with the setup just to get you in, and then he goes with the dare. I dare you. Some of us in here, if you dare us, we're going to do it, right? Don't, and, and then don't double dare me, because I'm really going to do it. So the enemy comes in and he speaks bold lies as if it's the truth. And it's very convincing, but he's building your confidence to sin. The I dare you moment. He goes from trying to plant doubt in your head to the I dare you moment. And then he walks on. He says, you will be like God. That's the agenda. The enemy introduces us to a false identity and reality, and we start to feel we're invincible, y'all. And listen to this. If we think we're God's equal, we'll think we can alter or reset his standard. That's what's happening today. Sin looks good. We start to call evil good. We start to call good evil. That's what's happening right now. And the enemy is just setting us up. He's been setting us up. And some of us have been very gullible. We start believing it. And we even got, gotten bamboozled where he started to trick us. But this is why we're having this conversation about redemption. So that we as the church can have Jesus as our anchor. And we will not be shaken by all those voices. The attitude of being like God emboldens us to question God's standard and perspective. Remember, the enemy said you will be like God, but God said you are created in the image and the likeness. He didn't say we were equal to him. He just said we had some characteristics that he had. Because if we're equal to God, we don't need God. If we're equal to God, we don't need a redeemer. And many of us who thinking that we're equal to God, you know what happens? You just go ahead and just leave God. You don't want him to be a part of you because God kind of makes you feel uncomfortable. 
Satan's still using those old tricks today. Listen to what I hear people saying. Why can't I love who I want to love? Why can't I identify with what or who I want to identify with? Why can't I believe what I want to believe? Why can't I live how I want to live? Why can't I say what I want to say? Have we heard some of those things, church? Some people don't think that they are slaves. This is, this is different because, man, Pastor Myron said I'm a slave? Come on now, now, we got to brace yourself, Pastor Myron. I ain't no slave. We're all born in slavery, every single one of us. That way, you know what? We're all on the equal playing field. They simply, those people that don't think they're slaves, they simply deny that they're in debt to God. I don't go with God no debt. I don't owe nobody anything. They won't admit their sins or that they're a sinner. Have you had, have you been around people like that? But I want you to understand what the enemy won't tell you. He won't tell you the truth. This is what the enemy didn't tell Adam and Eve. Look look at this. Sin leads to death. Sin leads to eternal separation from God. He, He never wanted to say that because you know why? If he said that, they wouldn't have what? Disobeyed him. So the enemy's not gonna tell us the truth. The enemy's gonna set us up And then he's going to come with a dare and then he's going to come with his own agenda, hoping that we trip and fall so that what we have a separation from God in terms of our relationship. That's the enemy. And that's what we're fighting against, church. We're we're, we're trying to fight one another, but we don't understand that it's greater. It's not flesh and blood we're fighting with. It's the evil principalities. This is a spiritual warfare. And I want you to know, without a biblical worldview, both pride and confusion will infest the world we live in. This is what's going on right in this single day today. When we start thinking like people whispering in our ears, news channels, Facebook, Twitter, and when we're conversating with them, and we're going back and forth, influencing our minds because we won't resist the devil. We just stay in conversations. These individuals that are talking back to you, they don't even know the word of God, but they're convincing you as a, as a believer what they're doing in the world. But the time stops today. As I mentioned, without a biblical worldview, both pride and confusion will infest the world we live in. And this is a quote by Timothy Keller. Pride is the carbon monoxide of sin. It silently and slowly kills you without you even knowing it. Pride. You're steady doing your own thing. And pride, listen, pride even attaches on to God in some areas. It looks, you know, you want to make it look like God, I'm doing this and that, but it's still attaching to those things of the world or your own beliefs that you're putting in your own head and you what? You want to change the mark. You want to reset the mark that God has, that standard, that holy standard. You want to set your own standard. That's what pride does. And then some people think they can deliver themselves from slavery by their works. 
Huh? They attempt to pay off their own debt. They live in guilt. They live in shame. Listen, I want you to understand that if you are a believer in Christ, you are redeemed. No more guilt. No more shame. No more condemnations for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, y'all. That's the good news, right? Let's look at what Paul says in Romans 7, verses 24 and 25. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. I'm like, man, Paul, you need some help? He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That should be us. Every, every last one of us in here today, miserable because we keep working, 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 trying to please God, and we simply can't. We need Jesus, y'all. You need Jesus. If you're telling your wife that I'm good by myself, I don't need to go to church, I don't need to do this, that's a lie. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a what? Slave to sin. Even Paul understood that. You can't work your way out of slavery. You can only be delivered by the, by the Redeemer, and that's Jesus Christ. Paul was tired and exhausted from his unsuccessful efforts to please God. I think that's some people in the house today. How many of you have you just been struggling? God, help. Going through the motions. And it's just, you seem to be in the wilderness and just keeps touching on the same spots in your life when you should be further ahead. But you keep working, working. I got to please God. I got to please God. I'm a good person. But then you feel, feel in your soul, you feel the heaviness and the weight, you feel guilt, you feel shame, you feel fear, you feel anxiety, and it's very tough for you to wake up out of bed. I want you to understand that you don't have to have that weight. God never called us to pay our own debt because we can't. That debt has to be paid by Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect sacrifice. He's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that can pay that ransom. We all have to go through a who will deliver me instead of a how can I deliver myself revelation. I'll repeat that. We have to go through a who will deliver me instead of a how can I deliver myself revelation. Because if you're trying to deliver yourself, guilt, shame, weight, are you following me? Are, are we getting this 1030? And then Romans 3 verses 9 and 11. Let's see what 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 Paul has to say. And before I get there, I, I want you, I want to give you this. I want you, I want to get your eyes and your ears. Some people think they're already delivered from slavery because of who they are. They believe they are forgiven of their debt because they are special. Ooh, I'm the favorite son. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm good. I don't have to worry about anything. Debt, man, I'm debt free. I just do what I do, right? But, but look at what Romans says. We're going to back everything up by scripture because what I'm talking about, y'all, these are the things that happen. And you know what? In our culture, we begin to believe those things and I'm seeing culture what? Shift into those things and we can't do that as the church. Romans 3, 9, and 11. Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? 
No, Paul says, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, read with me, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. The reason why I'm hitting this over and over again is because sometimes we as Christians, pride comes within us and we think we are good people. We are all born in Adam and under the power of sin. We are deeply infected and affected by sin. Therefore, we are all guilty of sin. Remember the courtroom? You defending yourself? The prosecutor, accuser of the brethren, God on the throne, the judge, Jesus mediating, and everything the accuser is saying, the only time he wants to tell the truth is when it's something bad about me. Myron. I remember what you did in my move back in 1989. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, yeah, I remember what happened. Oh, yeah, I saw you back in Lake Charles, too, when you moved over there. Oh, and what about when you, you got your job in, uh, in Newport News, Virginia? Oh, man, you really did something bad then. And then, oh, again, man, I just want to give you a reminder. Hey, Judge, I want to give you a reminder that when Myron Guillory moved to Fort Collins, Colorado, oh, man, he did this too. And then, he, you know what? He ended up moving to Lynchburg, Virginia, and Myron was cutting up over there too. But let me go back to Virginia Tech, God, in Blacksburg, because Myron was doing all kind of stuff. I love when he was at Virginia Tech. Oh, man, he was doing all kind of stuff, chasing all kind of things, drinking all kind of things. Hey, My- Myron, do you remember that? I'm guilty. I-, I can't even defend myself. But we have a mediator. We, we have a redeemer. We have a friend in Jesus that's ready to rescue us out of what? Out of sin, out of our slavery. Because I said first, what we're all born in what? In sin. That means that we're all what? Slaves to sin. We're all slaves. I got to get your eyes right here. We're all guilty of sin. And I want you to really... Church, we got to be convicted of this. Don't let your race, your class, your political views, or social status taint your world view. We are all in need of a redeemer because we are born slaves to sin. I hear people say all the time, oh man, he's a good man. He's a good man. Well, why is he a good man? He's a hard worker. He pays his taxes. Man, he cares about the community. That's a good man. Have you heard that? And some of us, you know, I've said it too. Oh, he's a good man. He votes the way I vote. (laughs) Stay with me. This is, listen, this is not a political worldview. This is a biblical worldview.
this is not a political worldview. This is a biblical worldview. Stay with me. I know we're on the edge of our seats. Sometimes we say he, he fights for social justice. He's a good man. He's a patriot. He's a good man. Stay with me. It's not a political worldview because if it's a political worldview, that means if you're more about your politics than your Jesus, that means your politics is your idol. Stay with me. She's a good woman. She goes to church. But is the church in her? Is she the church? He's a good man. He never hurt nobody. Look at what Romans 2.14 says. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. That means that I can do good things and not be a good person. Y'all, I know this is a little bit heavy. I know this hurts. But we got to get the truth so we can move forward, understand ourselves and understand our culture so that we can fight this in the name of Jesus. Are y'all following me with this? Luke 5, 31, 32 says, Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Come on. Hey, it's not about those who are walking around, oh, I'm good, I got everything going together, I'm great, oh, I don't need God, I'm, I'm all good. We start to think just because of our social status that we're good. If we live on the right side of the tracks, we're good people. I'm going to tell you what, God has blessed me and my wife, but we got some bad people in my neighborhood. Good and bad, right? Good people are the ones who what? who've been saved. We're good only because Jesus saved us. That's the only way you're good. We need to repent. Sin is not something we do. Thanks to Adam, we are born with the sin nature. Therefore, sinning is not a mere possibility. It's an absolute certainty. All of us are going to sin. And so you've been saying, Pastor, listen, you've been driving this on. Golly, Pastor, you've been hitting me with some sin stuff today. Where's Pastor, you come back over here. You might be asking, hey, Pastor, listen, just how do I get my debt paid? <laughs> Who's going to pay my debt? I, I just want to get my debt paid. Hmm? Some of y'all in here saying, y'all thinking about another type of debt. I can't pay that credit card debt. <laughs> this is a spiritual debt, okay? How am I going to pay that death. And Peter gives us an excellent summation of redemption, y'all. I want y'all to follow me with this. First Peter 1, 18 through 23. It's very important that we get this because Peter gives us the plan of our redemption, the purpose of our redemption, the price of our redemption, and the proof of our redemption. Verse 18, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. Stop right there. God paid a ransom to save you from the what? empty life. If we're living life without God, there's nothing purposeful about that. 
So I'm talking to people who've been outside of Jesus Christ, don't want him, rejecting him. I'm asking you diligently, come to God because your life is worthless if Jesus Christ isn't the center of your life. Come on, saints. I know you are with me with that. It says, from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Who? Adam and Eve, right? That's why we're born in sin. It's because Adam and Eve sinned. So everybody in here, we're on the same playing field. And it is not paid with mere gold and silver, which lose their value. Listen to this. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And look at God's plan. God chose Jesus, him, as your ransom long before the world began. That's what we talked about, right? It was God's plan. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ Jesus, you have come to trust in God. That's the proof. You and I, those of you who have been born again, I know what the enemy is saying about me. I know the accusations, but I also know when I've been redeemed, I'm not that same man the enemy has accused. I'm not that same man that was a basketball player at Virginia Tech that was just living life. I'm not that same man that's just chasing the wind. So the enemy, you can say what you want. I know that with the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ, you are, I'm free from sin. I don't have to keep walking in sin. And you know what? God is victorious over the enemy. We are what? Overcomers. We are conquerors. Through Christ, you have been, come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great victory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must what? show sincere love for each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. It's amazing what happens when you become saved. There's some things for you to do. They're, they're, we don't act like other people act. We don't act like those individuals who are what? Who are idols to Fox News, CNN, and the world. We don't, what? Politics is not our God. Race is not our God. Money is not our God. Because what? For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end your new life. Everybody say new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. That's eternity with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What we were condemned to hell before we met Jesus. That's the prison cell. That's capital punishment that keeps going, going, and going. And now Jesus had a rescue plan. He's gotten us out of that situation. And now we are new creation in Christ. Y'all, that's what it means to be redeemed. Let's recap. In Adam, we are sold as slaves to sin, but Jesus, the second Adam, came to liberate us from the penalty of sin. He paid the price of our redemption with his own blood, y'all. Jesus' blood provided cleansing for our sin and removed the barrier that kept us from God. And that barrier is sin, a separation in terms of our relationship with God. Jesus paid the price. 
Keep following with me. God sent Jesus to die in our place and made him who knew no sin to become a sin offering for us. Can you purchase your freedom from slavery? What's the answer? Can you purchase your freedom from slavery? Because if you don't know that answer, you will continue walking in the ways of the world and you will have a tainted world view. Not, at, not in the Opelousas campus, not at our Savior's church, not in the kingdom of God, because you know what? We're going to be teaching these things. God sent Jesus to die in our place and made him who knew no sin to become what the sin offering. Jesus made the final payment for our sins. We owed debt we could not pay, but Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. Huh? So what's the verdict? I'm on the stand. Enemy just shooting this stuff at me. Reminding me of everything I did. I see as God gonna be the judge. And then Jesus with his precious love masterminding a plan to get me out of darkness. And, and then Jesus comes back and says, Hey, well, I'll go. I, I'll pay. Thank you, Jesus. I'll pay. The, the only one who could rescue us from what the bottomless pit. Jesus, I got it. I, I'm going to pay. And how are you going to pay Jesus with, the, with my precious blood? I, I'm going to die for them. I'm going to die for them. Even though they were unfaithful to me, I'm still going to die for them because God so loved the world. Even though they reject me, even though they're disobedient, even though they turn their backs on me, I'm going to die for them because I love them. There's somebody in the house needs to hear that word. You need to hear, yes, you've been lost in sin. You've had a life. You've separated yourself from Jesus Christ. But now Jesus comes in and he redeems your soul. That's why it's so important for us, church, to understand the word of God, understand who God is, because sometimes we paint a caricature of God and we think he looks a certain way. He looks like me. No, we were created in his image. But God, let me change that image. I want you to look like me. I want you to think like I think, God. That's not how it works. Pastor Myron, you didn't tell me the verdict. You want to know the verdict? We are free. We are forgiven. We are holy, which means we're separated from the world. We don't talk like it. We don't walk like it. We're separated. We're holy. Not because we're holy, but because what? He's holy. We're adopted, which means we got a new family. I know you didn't like yours before. Now you got a new one. 
We're justified by our faith, by what we believe. We've repented of our sins and we chose to follow Jesus Christ and we're righteous. We're all of those things in God, our Father's sight now. And all that happened because of the precious blood of Jesus. Are we getting this 1030? Are you seeing more and more with the series, This Is Our Story and Kingdom Series, Kingdom Culture? Aren't you starting to see we're looking more like than what we thought? We're not so different after you start to hear messages like this, huh? I was like, well, Pastor Myron, you called me a slave. <laughs> We're redeemed, church. We're freed from both the penalty and the power of sin, which means that it is unthinkable to live in something that Jesus died to free us from. That means we don't keep sinning we don't keep spraying cheap perfume of grace to wash the sins and we leave the funk for everybody else to smell and let me back it up with scripture so you don't get mad with Pastor Myron I'm your friend Romans 6 1 and 2 well then this is Paul talking should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? That's his question. Of course not, Paul says. And that's, this is emphatic in the Greek language. It means God forbid. It means by no means. Of course not we don't do that. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? I might trip, but I'm not going to live in sin. I might, I might fall, I'll, I'll fall short because I'm still, still we have human flesh, right? We're humanity. I might trip, but God, God because I'm redeemed, God, he, he catches his child. I'm not going to sit and live in it because I'm not going to dishonor the sacrifice that Jesus Christ did on the cross. He gave his life for me and I should honor that and you should honor that. And that's a great place to give God some praise. That's a great place to give God some praise. When we get saved, we get a new master. Aren't y'all excited? <laughs> Satan was our master. I don't want no part of him. That dude keeps accusing me. I want a new master. God is now our master. Jesus is not now our master. And Jesus is what? He's calling me to something greater. He's calling you to something greater, church. I'm now a slave of Jesus. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm a slave of righteousness. Thank God I've got a new master. Thank God I have someone who cares for me. Thank God I have someone in the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of me that's teaching me how to be a good husband, that's teaching me how to be a good father, that's teaching me how to be a good friend. Thank God that God is my new master. Amen. 
There's an old preacher that says there are two kinds of people in the world. Only two kinds, not black or white, not rich or poor. Listen to this. But those who are either dead in sin are those who are dead to sin. Which one are you? Dead in sin is the slave of the enemy. Dead to sin, which means that you've been redeemed. The price, the penalty has already been paid. And now you are free man of God and a woman of God. Dead to sin. Dead to sin. I don't have to be that young man at Virginia Tech. I don't have to be that person that's always uh, trying to get over people. That's win at all costs because I'm a college athlete. I wanted to just win, win, win. So I'm going to step on your neck in order to win because my whole goal, I was taught by a system that you do whatever it takes to get ahead. And you don't let anybody get you down. And I started to think that that was a godly system that had godly principles where you step on people in order to get ahead. So I mixed God with what? With culture. And then because I was listening to the enemy, I started to believe that God and culture were the same. And that's what's happening to us right now. God and culture is not the same. We serve a perfect God and we live in a messed up culture. But we're called to be the salt and the light of the world. There's hope for this world, y'all. This is not a message that's just a Debbie Downer. This is a message about, hey, there are lost people out there and there's redemption out there for them. So we shouldn't be judging them in terms of those who are outside because Paul said, judge those who are in the church, not those who are out there because that's God's job to judge. We bring them in. We witness to them. We tell them that Jesus Christ is our Lord and his blood is precious. His blood can pay for your sins. Come on in here. Come join my family. God is good. I have a new master. Today, my hope, and y'all hear my heart, my hope is that the Holy Spirit ministered to you. My hope is that you have a greater understanding of sin, of hell, but more importantly, you have a greater understanding of God's redemption and that price he paid. My hope is that we're stronger because of it. My hope is that when we go out there, you're going to remember what God is speaking to you and you're going to get off of social media. You're going to stop listening to all those voices and start trying and trying to fight for God. God is sovereign. He doesn't need us to fight his battles. God fights our battles. We just defend the faith. We tell people about Jesus Christ. The new creation. The new creation. We do things differently. Apollosis. It's time for the black, white hitting together Democrat, Republican, bumping heads. It's time to stop because it's not the world doing it. It's us. So will this message, will the, will the, the message of God 
the words because the words that I'm speaking here backed up by scripture because it's not man's voice. This is God's voice telling you, are you going to do what God says do and live in freedom instead of continually trying to put yourself back in slavery again? I'm going to challenge Opelousas. I'm going to challenge St. Landry Parish. I'm going to challenge this church. We're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to be okay with what's okay out there. Because what? The verdict is what? We're holy. So we're separated from that, right? We're righteous. We're redeemed. And when you're redeemed, you don't go back to slavery. You don't go back to bondage. We're free. We're free. We're free. We're free. God's moving, y'all. God's moving, y'all. I believe God's stirring spirits up right now. It was a little uncomfortable, huh? Some of it. Kind of hit us in the hit us. Even, I'm gonna challenge even those who don't believe it. Even if you don't believe it, go back and study it for yourself. Allow the Spirit of God to move in you and to speak directly to you. We can't serve two masters. There's only one master that we can serve, and that's the living God. We're not going to play church anymore because we are the church. Redemption. Redemption. you bow your heads and close your eyes I I want you to repeat after me redemption come on 1030 redemption remember Paul said I'm unashamed of the gospel right this is an important moment in our church redemption People giving their lives to Christ this is a holy moment this is a celebration moment right here redemption anyone wants to be born again who wants to give their life to Christ and have a a redeemed life and have a redeemer you want to confess your sins you want to repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus Christ and say God I surrender my all to you it's as simple as ABC admitting that you're a sinner remember we've got to admit it right be believe that Jesus became the sin bearer of our sins and see, confess our sins. Confess that he's Lord and Savior. Confess that he's the ruler over my life. Confess that he is my new master. If there's anyone in the room who wants to receive Jesus or the Holy Spirit has just been touching at your heart for weeks and now you, today, you just want to be unashamed of Jesus, please raise your hands. Is there anybody today? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you. One more time, we're going to give you 30 seconds. Is anybody today that this message has been tugging on your heart and you say, God, God, I'm, I didn't know I was a slave to sin. I, I had no clue. But God, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching me. Thank you for your revelation. But I don't want to stay there. I want to be a slave to you, God. I, I want to be, I want you to be master over my life. One more time, is that you? Can you raise your hand? Good. Thank you. I see you back there. I see you. I see you. Come on, can we join in and pray with all of those who raised their hands? God, I give my life to you. Repeat with me. I repent of my sins. I am a sinner, but I want to be saved. Thank you for your precious blood that you paid on the cross for my sins. God, I give my life to you. I surrender my all to you. I want to be a new creation. God, thank you for saving my, sin, my soul. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you that you chose me today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.